Welcome and thank you for joining us on Inside Bend, a podcast where we get an inside look at the city of Bend from the people who keep our city running. You'll hear about the innovative ways our local government is responding to our community's needs and helping shape Bend's future. I'm your host, Jacob Larson. today is newly appointed Bend Fire and Rescue Deputy Chief Trish Connolly. Congratulations, Deputy Chief Connolly. Before we start this podcast, we want to let our listeners know that this interview was recorded prior to the fires breaking out in communities around Central Oregon, and it was also recorded before the city of Bend issued an emergency order banning the use of all fireworks through July 9th. Okay, let's jump right into our conversation with Deputy Chief Connolly. We're here to talk about wildfire and wildfire resiliency for the city of Bend. Um, But before we get into all that, I wanted you to tell me a little bit about yourself, how long you've been with the Bend Fire Department, and maybe about your role and your day-to-day duties with the department. Absolutely. I was hired as the first female firefighter um, in Bend in 2000. So I've been with the department for 21 years and I've promoted through the ranks as an engineer, captain. Briefly, I was a battalion chief. Um, A little over a year ago, I made the move over to administration team, um, which were completely new job duties for me. Um, I'm the PIO, so the public information officer. I'm in charge of internal and external communications, which means a lot of education campaigns, um, trying to get information out to our community. Um, And I work on our website and work with our um, guidelines internally. So lots of different work for me, which is super fun. What kind of drew you then to becoming a firefighter way back when and then kind of, you know, transitioning into this different role of helping the community in a different way. I that it's a it's a well, I don't know if it's an interesting story, but <laughs> <laughs> I went to school for sociology and I have a minor in French and I went to University of Montana. Um, and while I was there, I decided to become a wildland firefighter during the summer so I could stay in Montana and make a little bit of money for the school year. Um, And that launched where my liking working in this fire industry. So I stayed with Wildland for five years. I moved on to a um, rappel crew um, working in Washington. And then I decided that I really wanna transition to a structural fire department. I just really liked not knowing what was going to happen during the day. I liked working in a team. I liked working with my body. So all these things really spoke to me. Um, my parents weren't really excited about this move, but uh, it spoke to me. So I went to paramedic school um, and I found my way to Bend um, and I uh, started at the fire department. I first volunteered for a year and then tested in, as I said, 2000. So that's how I sort of wandered my way into the fire industry. I wasn't something I planned on. And obviously I was educated in something completely different. I really thought I would be a professor of sociology at a university. So, but here I am. 21 years later, still at the fire department. What does it mean, you know, to come to work every day and kind of have this feeling like you're a part of this community, you're helping this community. Is that kind of what drives you to keep doing what you're doing? Oh, yeah. I I love working for my community. I love working for my fire department. I love working with my team. So it drove me when I was online, when I worked in the crew and I was running emergency calls. Um, I 
I, you know, it really, it, they think that people, we just say that, but we really do. It drives us and that we love being part of our community and helping our community when they need us the most. Um, and then this transition has been kind of interesting because this is a completely different way that I'm supporting um, my community. And so I kind of, we call it a little bit of like value added service where it's not on the emergency call it's 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 we're looking at the community and what we can give the community in a completely different way so um how can we what can we give the community so we don't have emergencies calls right what information do they need so they don't need to call 911 um so that sort of education component and communication and is is been a really interesting driver for me that's awesome. That's fantastic to yeah. hear. And, and that kind of um, is a good transition for us to start talking about wildfire yeah. and, you know, the importance of people being aware of that, which is kind of your role as the PIO at Ben Fire and Rescue to make sure that people understand, you know, we live here in Bend, Oregon, um, where we're surrounded by forest land for the most part. And it's important to be aware of the risks that that presents. Absolutely. Um, we live in a gorgeous area. We're so lucky to be near the trees and the woods and the activities. I mean, that's what drew me to Bend as well. Uh, but that means part of that is wildfire. And uh, we'd like to say it's not if our community is threatened by wildfire, but it really is when. Um, and I've had some really tremendous experiences through my career that's really driven that point home. Uh, a few years ago, I was working as a task force leader and we went to Paradise, California. And I had roots in Paradise. My sister lived there at one point in time. Um, so I'd been there several times. Um, and oh, as we all know, that wildfire decimated that community. And it was um, really, really shocking. Um, to drive through there and and see what had happened. I mean, it, basically, it was like paradise was not there anymore. Um, and I reflected on that. I'm like, you know, that that is, it's just not that. F- it's it's not that far off that that can't happen to our community. We have several areas that could very much be threatened in a way that could really burn down hundreds of homes. And so that really prompted um, me to to really get interested in in what can what this wildfire resiliency and what we can be doing as a community to be more prepared uh, for this. Which is super important. I think that, you know, you said it's not if, but when. Yes. And that's probably pretty grim, but also pretty, it's the truth. It's the truth. It's reality. And so the more we build into the forest and it's lovely and it's going to happen, but we just, all we have to do is take actions to be prepared and to really recognize that this is one of the threats that we live in the West. Uh, We're having significant drought. Um, Our fuels are dry. We've already had a couple of fires already this season, two at the same time, um, that really taxed our fire department. Um, Luckily, we were able to uh, stop those fires before um, any homes were affected. 
but that was a that you know I'm like it's here already and that was in May so we're starting a summer um, and so and we need to be prepared um, so here we go um, and so I just think it's about us uh, taking personal responsibility and accountability um, for that so hence um, we started um, a new campaign called own your zone um, which I'm I'm really excited about we work together on this and we'll be launching it this um, this year but this campaign um, is really about people taking personal responsibility and accountability of what they can do to help their homes survive a wildfire and it's really a, a really easy way to take your house and and take responsibility not only for your house but for the community absolutely so what we tried to really focus on is that um, to make items that people could do in a weekend. What they were overwhelmed with like, ah, oh, it's a lot of stuff you want me to do to protect my home. And I love the bushes and I love my trees. And believe me, so do I. Um, that's reason I live here. So we really wanted to get it down to the, the essence of what really can help. So the zone one is that area right around your home. So it's zero to five feet, just, just right there. Very so, close. Very close. And so that has the most things you need to do in that zone, but there's five things in that five foot area, which is clean your roof and gutters of the branches and the pine needles um, and the leaves, because that really helps those embers propagate. Trim branches that touch your roof. So just make sure you don't have tree. It's trees that with the branches that are just laying right on there so fire can travel from the tree to your home remove some flammable vegetation so those tr those bushes and stuff that are right up against your house let's just see if we can pull them back a little bit um, that's really helpful one thing that people don't realize is uh, bark mulch bark mulch is flammable and we love the bark mulch because it's beautiful but that we go on bark mulch fires all the time and when you have embers coming down on your home and it can land in bark mulch and that bark mulch is right up against your house it's a really easy way for a fire to start so replacing bark mulch with non-combustible material is something we really want people to think about and then because it's summer to just move firewood away from the house and the deck move it further away from your home so that's the five things within that zone one so in zone two, it's a little bit further away. So the zone two is from five to 30 feet. So uh, it's a little more area. So we wanted to reduce what people had to do. So three things within that 30 feet, which is prune your limbs and trees. So just like, Take a few branches off the bottom. Yeah, so not they're the ground. exactly. Yeah. So there's not we call it ladder fuels. So okay. something on the ground can't just like race up that tree. Um, cut your dead grass and weeds. So just cut stuff down a little bit and remove vegetation from under trees. So if you have bushes that are growing under trees, just take those out. And there is a zone three. A lot of us who live in neighborhoods don't have this zone three. But for those who have bigger property, that zone three is from 30 to 100 feet. And so we just ask people to do one thing within that 100 feet, which is break ups, break up continuous vegetation, our fuels. So I've been asked, like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and it's like, well, if you have a bunch of, of uh, bushes that are just all in a row and maybe they, they, uh, 
they travel into other areas of your property just like make little fuel breaks that's what we say in the in wildland just remove some of them you don't have to remove all of them just make a little break so the fire can't travel and just have this vegetation travel along and that is it and so i think what's really great about this own your zone campaign is it will always be these things these five things these three things this one thing and so it feels really manageable and i think what i take away from it too is not only are you protecting your home which is important but you're protecting your neighborhood and yeah. your com- and your neighbors and your community and so if everybody kind of does their part then we're all really doing a good job. That's such a great point is that you're doing this for your own home. Like I want to save my house. So I'm going to do these five things, these three things, this one thing, if you have land. Um, but what that really does is that helps your neighbor because if your house is not on fire, we call it a home to home ignition. So if one house catches on fire, it's really easy for the other to catch fire through direct flame contact, radiant heat. And so taking care of your home is really helping your neighbors out, take, helping them take care of their home. Yeah. And I, I think another thing that's important to recognize too is um, this is not just <laughs> Trish Conley coming to you and saying, do these things. This is proven fire science. It is. It's science. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. And science does say that that zone one those five things are the most important place to concentrate on. But yes, um, these actions, these zones, and these things you can do for your home is supported by tons of fire agencies, um, uh, fire-free. Uh, we had them look over this, and they were like, yes, this is fantastic. And 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 they're saying, their organizations are saying the same thing. Um, we just kind of wanted to get it into a space where people felt like it was really palatable that they could really do these things. So what can the community do to celebrate the 4th of July safely? Find other ways to celebrate. One, that would be my number one thing to say is like, my family loves to go camping. Um, There's other families that love watching the Freedom Ride Mm -hmm. um, to have a block party. There's tons of things to do besides fireworks. And, And as we say in the fire service, like leave the show to the pros. Just watch the like magnificent show that evening. Could you maybe um, explain to me a little bit about what it's like providing service on a day like the 4th of July? On the 4th of July, like I said, we have the most calls. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we have limited staffing. We have those that are working. We've hired overtime. Like people come in. We'll have callbacks if incidents like that happen. But really, you know, one structure fire will be pretty taxing on our fire department. If we have another one going on the same time, plus medical calls, we're calling in resources from our neighboring departments. And like we discussed, our neighboring departments are 20 minutes away. Um, Luckily, we have fantastic working relationships with the Forest Service, Mm -hmm. uh, ODF, our police department. So we're all working collaboratively and collectively to handle these calls. But yeah, it's taxing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I really, really appreciate the time and thanks for talking about wildfire safety and resiliency. And um, I think it's important that the community understands that we're really all in this together. Oh, absolutely. I really appreciate you 
having me, being able to talk a little bit about myself, but then talking about this new campaign, which I'm really excited about. And you're right, like this is about personal responsibility, personal accountability, and the things we do for our home, own home affect our neighbor. And it's just about loving Bend and the things we can do to um, make sure that we're safe and that our homes are safe and you know that we have a great summer. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. A very special thank you to Deputy Chief Conley for joining us today. If you would like more information on Own Your Zone, you can head to ownyourzonebend.org. Thank you for tuning into Inside Bend. If you enjoy listening, don't forget to subscribe and you can check back each month for new episodes. And also a very special thank you to the Pitchfork Revolution for providing us with this music.